welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about this journey we've taken across the galaxy with all the friends we've made along the way. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, Tim did a funny right before we started. <laughs> and we are going to wrap up. We're going to put our final opinions and stamp of approval or disapproval on Beta the Jedi, Book 5, Allies by Christy Golden. Mm-hmm. As we always do at the end of the book with our full, I don't know, full book review. The, full, the whole recap. Yeah. If you don't have time to listen to... How many episodes was this one? 36 chapters divided by four. Nine. What's that math? Nine chat. Nine? Yeah. Nine episodes. If you don't have time to go back and listen to the roughly nine hours of us breaking this down bit by bit, well then tune in for this entire book review. And we'll start with previously on Forever Canon. Pum, pum, pum. Previously, we finished the book. And the last four chapters of the book were wild. Oh, yeah. We had the boss fight. The boss died. <laughs> we had another skirmish. The bad guy ran away. We had a, a, a surreptitious murder on the walkway. And everything kind of at the end of this book is like up in the air. It's definitely disconnected from where it seemed like it was going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll go through all that chaos right now, starting with the galactic overview. The Jedi are still going crazy, and Chief of State Dalla is still mad she can't have them. Across the galaxy, systems of planets are experiencing revolt and revolution. Slaves are rising up against their masters and overthrowing millennia of terrible traditions. Chaos is spreading across the Galactic Alliance. On Coruscant, Dalla begins threatening the families of the Jedi, while also ordering her Mandalorians to surround the Jedi Temple, which quickly leads to the murder of apprentice Connie Asari on the temple steps. Dalla decides slavery must survive at Blaudu Sextus for the good of the Galactic Alliance. Meanwhile, in the Maw, Luke, Ben, and their Sith allies face off against Abeloth, leaving her dead on her mysterious home planet. Back at the temple, all ill Jedi have recovered. The stealth axes haven't launched. The Mandos haven't left. Tahiri's trial is spiraling downward. And in a final gut punch, the Jedi are framed for the murder of Admiral Nek Buatu, Dalla's closest friend and lover. Plenty of mess spread all across the galaxy, yeah. right? I don't know. Did I miss anything glaring? No, follow Luke and and Ben and Dala and all her shenanigans. I can't believe there's still Mandalorians attacking the Jedi. That's two books in a row. Yeah. Because it was last book that they went in the temple and raided and tried to get the sick Jedi out and they failed. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we've gone two whole books with the Jedi doing nothing about all that, right? Like, just to touch on the the whole wider spectrum overview thing. The Jedi as a group have done nothing in retaliation for Dala overstepping major boundaries with the Mandalorians. No, the only, the only like thing that has happened there is 
uh, Boatu said, wait for me. Right. I'll tell you when you can do stuff. Boatu hooked up with Kent Hamner because Dahl has been crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, he was hooking up with her too, but in a different way. Yeah. He calls Kent and he says, I'll help you launch all your stuff, which is meant for Jedi to go help Luke across the galaxy, who's surrounded by thousands of Sith. Yada, yada, yada. At the end of the book, Tahiri is in trouble. Yep. The Mandos are still all over the temple. The stealth axes are still in it. But the Jedi inside are no longer crazy. Yeah. Because across the galaxy in the Maw, Luke Skywalker has killed Abeloth. The (laughs) big, evil, ancient, more powerful than anything you could ever imagine being that we've been introduced to across these last three books, three and a half. Yeah. She's dead. (laughs) So, the direction we thought we were going, right? Where what you would think is there's this big, big, powerful thing. We're going to go have our first skirmish against it. And much like Luke and the Sith on Sinkhole Station, right? You're going to have, you're going to come together. You're going to clash. There's going to be deaths or damage on both sides. And then you're going to go your separate ways and regroup. Mm -hmm. Nope. Luke Skywalker (laughs) killed her ass. (laughs) Stabbed. Done. And so like what is going to happen with that? The Sith tried to kill Luke Skywalker. What is going to happen with that? Dala's boyfriend just got murdered in the name of the Jedi. What is going to happen with that? And they were all just really short, sharp turns right at the end of the book. Yeah. Whoa. Left us with a with a lot to think about, for sure. But first, let's think about what all of our favorite characters did across the course of this book. In what I like to creatively call the character overview. <laughs> Starting with our first set of main characters. Han and Leia Solo featuring Alana. The Solo Parents Minimalist Edition. Pretty slim picking for their features as I was going through my notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they show up in chapter 11. Oh. Out of 36. They tell Tahiri that Ben said, that Anakin said, he still loves her forever and always, right? They're at her trial. It's it's adjourned for the day. They go down to her cell and they exchange this absolutely heart-wrenching and heartwarming information where they tell Tahiri that our dead son still loves you from the afterlife. He told us. Yeah. Right? Like, we've talked about so many times, like, as if the Jedi don't have enough special benefits. They even get them <laughs> through the afterlife, right? Yeah. You can talk to your to your dead people. Only in a special yeah. dimension, or, I guess, beyond shadows. Occasionally you can see them as Sometimes ghosts. Sometimes the ghosts show up and they show you them pulling their own hair out yeah. in a cave. <laughs> but spoiled is the point. Yeah. They tell Tahiri this amazing, amazing news. And it's like kind of the kickoff for her trial where like we see all the support that she's getting, Tahiri is getting from the Jedi. And... Um, and the family that she's most associated with, the Solos, which is important because she don't have anybody else. Yeah. You know? But back to Han and Leia. They walk in on Alana, having found 3PO translating Sith language for Luke. So obviously Luke Skywalker has gone to the dark side like Alana's dad. And Alana, the seven, six, eight, nine year old, mm-hmm. starts freaking out. 
and Han and Leia calm her down and tell her everything's okay. He that was the second thing he, that they he did. Wouldn't, the he would never do that. They watch the news. They see Connie Asari's murder. They send some vile packing rats to the besieged Jedi. And then enjoy some hot chocolate. While trying to decide if Windorvin is maybe a good guy or maybe a bad guy. Yeah. Right? They're completely on the sidelines. Literally watching everything happen on TV for several parts of these like major crises that are popping up. The yeah. Jedi temple is under siege and someone got murdered on the front steps and Leia solo is sitting at home watching it on the news. Yeah. And just being angry about it. Right. Not taking any of the many avenues of influence that she would have to take some sort of action. Yeah. She's got, she's got Jedi influence, political influence or has maybe all of the Han and Leia goodwill been spent because it has been brought up briefly, I think, when Han and Leia last book were meeting with Dala to become her official negotiators or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which, whatever happened to that, she they weren't in the meeting with the Masters later. Oh, we'll get to that. But it came up at that time that maybe all of their goodwill is kind of used up right now because they were technically traitors in the last war. Yes. They went to Corellia. They did a bunch of Corellia shit when Coruscant said Corellia bad. Right? So now on Coruscant, you are maybe don't have all the same sort of political goodwill or strings that you can pull. But, you know, that's not... That's that's me. I made that up. Yeah. That's not in the text. You know? And Dala's missed some strings he could she could pull out there because how come they're not on trial too? It's amazing. For, for being traitors. I think, I wonder if maybe Tahiri would be like the first domino to fall in Dala's plan where you start with the smallest conviction, like the least unpopular conviction. And Mm -hmm. I mean that double negative, Yeah, yeah. you know, where you go for the little fish first. Mm -hmm. And then if you can convict Tahiri and start convincing people that these people were traitors and, and yeah. you know, they, they deserve to be punished by the Galactic Alliance for the behavior of them in the last war. If you then can start convincing the public of that, maybe then the ball starts rolling. But what am I saying? The first person she went after was Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And they got him exiled. Yeah, he cut a deal with her. But, you know, the Tahiri thing's personal, right? Yeah. Nonetheless, Mando's at the temple. Han and Leia at home watching the news. Luke is out in the mall with the Sith. Han and Leia having hot chocolate with Alana. Abeloth's out there. Han and Leia are at home. Flipping from... What's his face? Who's the guy that we hate? Javis Tear yeah. to Perry Needmo News Hour. <laughs> Even Jag's favorite. Like, they're... they're, they're ja- Jaina and Jag broke up. They're yeah. at home. I don't know if this is like... Again, this isn't in the text... But is this supposed to be like they're, you know, they've stepped out of the spotlight because they're trying to protect this kid, like their granddaughter that they're raising as their own kid? Is that what it is? They've they're they're parenting, and so they're not becoming as directly involved with everything. That'd be a real turn. But again, not in the text. Yeah. Where at some point Leia and Han are itching to run to the Jedi Temple and sneak in and and help in whatever way they can or whatever, right? Or or in a hurry to run down to galactic Senate Plaza and start 
pounding on the on the podium at a microphone. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, nah, man, they're just at home with the kid. Yeah, they have so they're they have so many avenues that they could tap into and there's lots to do there's a lot of problems so much even like i said all the way from abeloth down to jane and jag breaking up even that is something that you could get involved in and like pursue yeah you know what i mean what happened and why and i I don't know i guess you don't get any information at jag (laughs) so how do you find out when jane is not here but i don't know man that was it that was what they did that was that was what han and leia did this whole time they watched the news, saw the saw the slavery was a problem. <laughs> they watched Connie Asari's dead body on the steps. They watched Win Dorvin go run to have lunch with, I don't know, I, I always want to call him Rachel Ghoul. What the fuck is his name? <laughs> <laughs> Raynar Thol. Yeah. God, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Point being, like, there's a lot. They're just, they're literally watching everything happen on TV from mm-hmm. a distance. I don't know. Where is any of the, your fire and passion that you've had for the last 70 years and hundred books? Yeah. Is it quelled because of the danger to Alana or whatever? I don't know. And even that hasn't been discussed enough. Where are all the people looking for Tenelka's daughter? Right. All the Hapens that would want her killed. All the enemies of Jason Solo, yeah. like the Empire who had the nanobots on the planet that can murder everybody with your blood. Where's anybody looking for her or threatening them or at all? How are Han and Leia Solo allowed to stay on the sidelines? Why is there not a contingent of Mandalorians outside their fucking secret apartment in the hallway? Because Dala looks out the window and she knows every single occupant of every window and from her off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How are there not Mandos outside your door? You guys just had a, a t- attack with them on the walkway 600 pages ago. Yeah. How, how are, how are you not? allowed to sit out of the spotlight in this situation? I don't know, but they do. Yeah. Maybe because the, like they're just as much as they are central figures in star Wars, they're just kind of affiliated with these other groups. They're not really, I don't Leia's know. Leia's a Jedi. She is. And Han has been called back into active duty with the military or has been threatened with it. I don't remember which direction that went. It was kind of both. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Right. And they're not negotiating anything anymore. There's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for them to be involved in things and they're not. So. What's your favorite moment of Han and Leia solo or Alana? Well, the only real moment that they had (laughs) was that conversation with Tahiri. Mm -hmm. It was meaningful and heartfelt and just well delivered it extremely made made me feel extra bad and and at the same time also really glad for Tahiri I know right it was that perfect melancholy uh, of happiness and sadness yeah it's such heartbreaking news but it's uh, the good kind of heartbreaking news Mm -hmm. I said the same thing I mean that or Leia watches a hamster in Windorvin's pocket. And she's like, I'm going to sneak rats with medicine into the Jedi temple. I don't know. Yeah. That was it. That was it, man. Yeah, there wasn't a lot explaining. 3PO did a more pivotal thing. Explaining Luke's thing to Alana. 
which was just an incidental momentary thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to our second character in the list of important people in this book who have been doing a lot of things. Jaina Solo. Here we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jaina Solo, the sword of the background. And she holds the same part, same point in every book. And she, I broke down her appearance in this book to a six step process. Okay. Step one, crawl into your boyfriend's lap and ask for help to hear he needs a lawyer. Step two, when the master meeting of the Jedi explodes into anger and rage, Jaina goes solo. See what I did there? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Step three, it's going to sound similar to ask step one, I mean, but Mm -hmm. step three is ask Jag for help, specifically treason. Yes. Please betray your oaths to the people that you have sworn to govern and protect and fight for their ultimate best. Please commit treason so that the Jedi can launch their stealth axes to go help Luke. Uh, He, of course, refuses and she Mm. dumps him. Stop. I wrote stop in my note. She dumps him because he won't commit treason. Once again. We talked about this enough at the time. Yes, we did. But this is pretty much the worst, right? It's the dumbest Isn't that thing. kind of her betraying him? A hundred percent. Right? But it's all going to get swept under the rug and Jag's definitely going to forgive her because she's Jaina Solo and like she's a woman and like stereotypically you're allowed to, to be irrational and like it's okay to do the wrong thing <clears throat> for whatever reason because you're Jaina Solo. And when they got together, they made the whole deal that their oaths... We will never ask each other to betray our oaths. Yes. Right? And then you do, and then you're mad, and then you put the fucking engagement ring back on his desk. Pretty much the worst. Yep. I don't know know what else to say about that. Step four. Judge a dogs v. Sith v. Hutts trial with (laughs) Uncle Lando. Why? To show that there is no fairness and justice in the law. And thus Jaina must work outside of it. Because they decide guilt or whatever. And then after the trial, the Klaatuinian guy comes up to him. He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Then It wasn't going to matter what you said. Guilty or not. Because the revolution's happening, right? It rides have already started. So it literally didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So why? Maybe for Jaina Solo to learn... The unlearn the lesson that she learned in the last series, which was work together with the team that you have and follow the rules to accomplish the goals methodically. Yep. She needs to unlearn that and work outside of the law because there is no justice for dogs. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I, I don't know what that was. Step five. Battleship. Until he mysteriously disengages and runs, even though he was winning. Handily. Step six. Your little cousin tells you that your uncle said to go home. And so you do. Put to good use. Once again, over these many, many books. I don't know how many more times I can say it, but probably one of the most powerful people in the galaxy spinning their fucking wheels, doing nothing about all these problems. Yep. 
until, you know, the master's meeting. And then she goes, I'm going to go run away and go help my uncle Luke. Yeah. I'm going to go do something. And what does she end up doing? She goes there and sits on the ship and then sits in her stealth X. She goes to help Luke and ends up judging a trial on Klaatuine while he mm-hmm. runs off to the Maw. Yep. She catches up to him in the Maw and he goes down to the planet while she stays up on the Rock Hound with the Stealth X. And then she fights Ship and goes back to Coruscant. She didn't help Luke at all. No, we got to see more Ship though because of her. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but you know what I mean? She didn't do she didn't do anything. She had Several moments, though, where she was put to good use as a connector, like a past-present connector, where, ooh, there was an early one, I can't remember, and then there was the middle one in the trial where she was think- she flashed back to thinking about Jason mm-hmm. and filling in some of, that, some of those previous events and some of that experience into the present, and also when she was battling ship. She filled in those past events to inform the present again. Yeah. She was kind of used as that tool rather than like an in narrative tool. She, you know, yeah, she, was she was more of a meta tool. Yeah. She was used as a, just like a utility, an auxiliary character to, rather than to one connect of the main. just in case, you know, more details of the things that have happened before in case you don't know or have forgotten, mm-hmm. you know? And th- so that was good. <laughs> Other than that, Jaina didn't accomplish anything. No, no, she took a she took a step backwards in her in her life, in her growth, in her learning, in her personal endeavors. Yeah, she she went backwards this this time around, and now she's going back to Coruscant after she just ran away from the Jedi Temple. So, are there going to be repercussions for that to you? Because then, why fucking go back? Oh yeah, like are you going to get in trouble? Is, is Kent Hamner going to get you uh, hand hand down some consequences? Nah, they'll let her. Even if even if she were to get in trouble, she'd end up being needed at some point <laughs> for some Which reason. Then always supersedes any trouble that you're in, right? Yeah, you're ungrounded now. We need you to stop the killings. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite moment of Jaina Solo? Ah, uh, let's see. I liked Jaina being taught some humility Fuck by me. ship. Fuck you again. So um, I'm the best, and then this non-piloted, a sentient rock. Yeah, uh, <laughs> with bat wings. Showed her what's what, and showed her all the angles of what's what. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no matter what she did, right? Yeah, that's yeah. I picked that too, man. Because I definitely didn't pick her asking for favors and then breaking off an engagement. Yeah, no, that that definitely wasn't. <laughs> I don't understand. Our third character, mm-hmm. Abeloth. Okay. Downgraded from the four spot to the three spot this time from book to book. Abeloth, the mysteriously murdered maiden of the Maw. She seems to be missing or hiding during the beginning part of her entrance into the story. Until we return to the Maw and we find Sinkle Station destroyed, she did something. Mm-hmm. She gets Crazy Dion to come to her on her planet and sucks his golden life force from his face. <laughs> totally normal. Yep. Whatever that is. Was it his soul? Was it his force power? Was it just his life essence? Yeah. Don't know. 
Just raw force juice. Everybody comes to kill her and find her in her cave where she reveals to Luke Skywalker that she's been snuggling Luke to sleep on the Jade Shadow. And then she shows herself falsely to be Luke's ex-girlfriend Callista instead of his ex-wife like he thought. (laughs) For only a moment does this facade last before she does battle with and ultimately uh, ends up being killed by Luke Skywalker. Boom, done. Didn't see her do many unbelievably cosmically powerful things. No. We've seen her mind manipulate across the galaxy, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And then she like turned into a tentacle thing, wrapped up Vistara, turned her lightning back on her, stabbed her with thorns. And then we didn't get any other direct narration of the action with Abeloff. No. Really. No, we got secondhand. We got snippets of secondhand information yeah. when Ben could pry his eyes from Vistara, you know, and... And then he ends up going to fight her dad, which is not telling us about the fight between Luke Talon, Abeloth, and the net of force-weaving yeah. bullshit. You know what I mean? And we got a second hand from Talon remembering what... It felt she, like... Yeah, what she did to him. When she was holding everyone in rapture while she was trying to seduce Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Not not in a special way. No, in just a, but in a stay with me for eternity way. Yeah, come come to right? my side. Which again, what did she want? Okay, she's dead. Okay, this big bad evil guy mm-hmm. is dead. We're halfway through the series. We didn't really see her do anything. We didn't learn who she was, what she was, and why she was doing anything. No, nope, which really even. I think is why they end up staying on the planet at the end of the book, right? Yeah. The dead bad guy tells no secrets, right? We don't understand anything about her from having killed her. And the question still remains what and why? But she's not going to tell us cuz she's dead. No, so let's go explore her planet. So, what was your favorite moment of Abeloth? <laughs> is I don't have one, an acceptable answer? No. Okay. I'll tell you mine. All right. My favorite thing was the Callista reveal that ended up being a cliffhanger for us. Okay, yeah. Because, like, we only read it on the day that we podcast type of thing. Mm-hmm. Where it was, like, at the end of our second last episode, and it was like, you know me, I'm Callista or whatever. And I was like, who the hell is that and what is this? <laughs> And then it turned out to be Luke's ex-girlfriend, and I was like, oh my god, not that again. But then my favorite part is that it was a trick. (laughs) It was a subversion of the expectation of that ex-girlfriend trope again, right? Like, Mm -hmm. who do men always get hunted down by? The women that they've scorned. Hell hath no wrath like a fury of a fucking whatever. (laughs) Yep, that whole thing. (laughs) But, like, that was probably my favorite part. That she was like, I'm your ex-girlfriend. And he was like, oh my god, wait. No, <laughs> I, I just love that it wasn't the easy overdone thing it seemed to be. Yeah, yeah, because you were like, oh, great, here it comes. Here we go again. 
He's our, he, the last one was Lumaya. He used to be Mara Jade. It's always somebody who Luke Skywalker has boned trying to bone <laughs> him back. Yeah. All the way from the past, right? But it, it wasn't. Yeah. What, I, what was yours? If I if I had to choose something, it would be uh, from that same point in time, but um, when she was talking to Luke, but had the rest of them all held still and yeah. seeing whatever. Uh, Talon for sure. Yeah, he saw all of his enemies trying to drag him down and kill him and whatnot. Right. Uh, I don't know if he. She showed him what he was most afraid of. Is what that yeah. seemed like, right? I don't know whether he showed Gavar Kai or Ben. Or I was going to. I was going to mention that right now. That'll be interesting in the next book if that comes up. Yeah. What did everybody else see while they were all being, you know, held in place mm-hmm. or? Tripping balls, I guess. Right? Yeah. For psychedelic journey. So what my favorite was she was able to, at the same time, manipulate the leader of both sides of the force. And that was like, that was written subtly and not as a massive power display, mm-hmm. but it is. It, it really it is. It really is. Everybody in that room. And the other... Okay, so she didn't know about the hundreds of Sith around weaving the thing, right? That was explicitly said. Mm -hmm. But, like, Ben, very powerful. Mm -hmm. Gavar Kai, I can only assume, right? He fought Ben to almost equal. Mm -hmm. Vistara, we know, is very powerful. Powerful enough to command ship out of an entire planet of Sith. Yep. And Abeloth just casually... (laughs) <laughs> sends them all to another dimension in their brains while she tries to get Luke Skywalker to join. Yeah. Her. While yeah. she's having a conversation with him. Yeah. I like that, man. And all, you know, as a, as a cheater bonus answer, all the descriptions of her. Oh yeah. Her, her ear to ear, sharp tooth smile. Oh, yeah. and that's, tentacles that's terrifying. And hair changing color and the, the pinpoint silver eyes and like in a, in, in, imaginable depth, unimaginable depth. Yeah. Yeah. She was cool. For a minute, let's move on to our fourth character, Vestara Kai, the sneaky Sith. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the book, she is a captive of the Skywalkers and the captor of Ben's interest. See what I did there? Two times. Yeah. I said, see what I did there. She blows the Jedi's minds by hugging her dad when he comes to visit on the Jade Shadow. And then she promises to her dad in Sith to keep manipulating Ben using her real feels. She then, later on the planet of Klaatuin while sharing a fruit, argues with Ben about slavery and then pretends to choke on the alien fruit because she was sick of arguing with him Mm -hmm. because she likes him. She got real feels. They steal a speeder together. To stop Dion's dad from violating the very special glass fountain. And she proves herself to be trustworthy and have goodness inside as she saves the special statue and Dion's dad. There's a moment where Ben thinks he's, she's going to force lightning him. But she force lightnings his motorcycle and catches him in midair or whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. She's proving to be trustworthy, proving to be on the side of doing the right thing, right? Like her goals seem to very often line up with Ben's goals. Yep. And she 
does does a lot of the right things all the way back to the last book. She saved Luke Skywalker for God's sakes, right? Well, after saving Dion's dad, they head to jail. Where Vistara argues with Ben about whose dad is better and then laughs at all his jokes. And the question is how much is real, right? Yeah. How much of how much of their interaction at any given time during this entire book? The question is always that tension between how much is real and how much is a, sh- a show or a facade yeah. to either protect information or get information, right? And it's great how it's how it's been written, too, because there's no internal from Vestara. Mm. It's all just what you read. There's no of her own compared, internal monologue. Compared to what we get from Ben, where Ben is, and we'll get to that, constantly like, I wish we didn't have to fight. I wish I wish this I wish she wasn't a Sith, you know? Like he's constantly constantly thinking internally mm-hmm. about her and how he feels about the situation and her. She doesn't. No. Right? As much as she guards that stuff externally, she guards it internally from the reader too, and probably from herself. Yeah. Right? But man, the dyna- the dynamic between the two of them is is was already good and it just keeps getting better and better as she continues to do all these things to prove to Ben that he should care about her, that he could care about her, that he might, there might be something redeemable there, right? Like, yeah. how can she be all bad even, okay, it's like it's like learning racism. Mm-hmm. What do you mean she's all bad just because you call her a Sith? Yeah. Like, every person is an individual, man. Right, he's. Yeah. This is what he's kind of going through right now, right? And she's constantly proving herself to be useful and helpful and good. I wonder how much of that comes when it happens because we don't get any internal as a surprise to herself. Right, that's a good question. That is a very good question. But unfortunately, Vastara's conversation with her dad, which they knew was being recorded. It was translated quicker than she thought. And so Ben comes into the med bay and dumps her. <laughs> right? Where he's like, I'm ready to go. And I've, I'm done with this or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to get this over with. Yeah, exactly. Literally and figuratively dumps her in the med bay. And then for some reason later, Vistara co-pilots with Luke into the Maw. Why is she the co-pilot? Don't know. I said it at the time, too. Didn't understand why. Remember, Ben was at the controls, and he's like, I don't have a tentacle to hold on to. Yeah. I don't have no snake rodeo to guide me into the law. <laughs> and Luke was like, I'll do it. Vistara co-pilot. What? Yeah, because they piloted themselves in there previously without any of the tentacle I guess that's holding on to. Well, did they, though? Or did they not realize? That's true. Right. Either way, Vistara ends up in the co-pilot seat with Luke Skywalker in his wife's ship. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, there's a lot of, and a Ben's lot of in, incongruent Ben's in the back seat. things happening right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she, during this time, shares all of the information that she gathered during her time with Abeloth. And I really do think all of it. Where she tells him that she's a shapeshifter. She uses your emotions against you. All that stuff. And she didn't. she wasn't really holding back... Anything that she knew about Abeloth, it didn't seem, right? No. Again, proving, trying to prove that she's trustworthy, right? She doesn't know that they have the copy of the conversation or whatever. No. She's trying to prove that she's trustworthy until 
She wakes up Dion's dad as an Abeloth tracker, less trustworthy. But she's still doing the right things, right? Yeah, she just didn't say it out loud. Like, Luke goes beyond Shadow with the Sith, so Ben and Vistara are, are left to themselves, and Dion's dad, who is supposed to be drugged. Vistara betrays that, but lets Dion go as, and has put a tracking device on him. She is trying to accomplish the goal of finding Abeloth, right? And and explicitly, as we know, not with any ulterior motive of like, mm-hmm. we'll find her and get the Jedi killed. <laughs> like she, it. this is the goal, right? Yeah. This is the thing. One step at a time. Let's find Abeloth. Okay. And, and she seems to be doing some of the right things and some for the wrong reasons, I guess. Or that's not right. Some of the wrong things for the right reasons. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like letting Dion go, probably the wrong thing, but the right reason to try and track Abeloth. And maybe the wrong thing only because she didn't say what she was doing. She just did it. Yeah, still still trying to do the right things, maybe. Mm-hmm. Vistara accompanies the Sith and Jedi into Abeloth's cave, as you do. And she's assaulted by tentacles and thorns and lightning. And when she's hurt on the ground... Ben comes over to her aid and she tricks Ben into staying with her out of the fight while the Sith betray the Jedi. Trying to catch Abeloth instead of killing her and trying to kill Luke Skywalker instead of allying with him. Mm-hmm. Not trustworthy. No, that's a bad choice. That's a bad thing. That is a bad thing for a bad reason, right? Yeah. That is that is a full betrayal. That is that's like an inexcusable thing. Nothing redeemable there. Nah, and and that's about it for her in the book, you know. Not a whole. She doesn't do. Well, I guess she kind of does. She's pretty pivotal in, in some of the scenes, but nothing major really changes around her character. Her character acts and thinks and behaves the same way from top to bottom through the whole book, right? Yeah. Where she is, she doesn't know at this point that Ben and Luke have translated the conversation that she had with her dad on the Jade Shadow. So she's just constantly, she's in the same mode all the time, right? She's in the, I like Ben, but I need to use him mode. Yeah. She, there's no, there's no... She doesn't change. She doesn't go up and down from that. And like you said, no internal monologue, you know, in the juxtaposition against Ben of, of him constantly thinking like, I wish she was good. Yeah. I wish she could be good. <laughs> and she's like, not thinking about him probably purposely. Right. Yeah. In that context. But how the hell do you recover from that major betrayal? As she remains on the planet, heading back to the Jade Shadow with Ben and Dion, as Luke, Talon, and Gavar Kai head out into the planet. How is this walk back to the Jade Shadow, which she's fine enough to walk, Ben said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, how's that walk back back to the ship and, and the and the subsequent time thereafter? How do you recover from that betrayal? How do you not Go put her in stun cuffs right away if you're bent, right? Yeah, immediately. And, like, it's game over now, you know? I don't know. How? That's a question for Ben. But right now, what's your favorite moment mm. of Vistara? Vistara. She's 
She's got a lot. I've always, I've liked her from I kind of like everything one. she does, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. From second one, everything she does is so like 007 spy style. Intriguing as yeah. fuck. Like <laughs> yeah. it's so, and it's part of that comes from not getting her internal monologue. Mm-hmm. You don't know what she's thinking. So you don't know what she's thinking. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. We know what she's doing, but you don't. You, you don't know to what degree she's committed to the crime. Yeah, because you got what she is being told, or what we're being told her motives are. Yep. But we don't know what her actual motives are or how she's reacting to what she's doing. Yeah, we know what her instructions are. Yeah. But we don't know how she feels bro- uh, deeply. Mm-hmm. We know broadly that she kind of feels a little gross about her dad telling her to bed Ben Skywalker, right, during that one conversation. Yeah. But anything more thorough than that we don't really know nope we do know that she really does have the real feels Mm -hmm. she told her dad right and that's about it we know we know that she likes ben and we know what her instructions are (laughs) and from that we can only infer you know her displeasure or disquiet with the way those two things uh don't quite resonate together right yeah yeah they're definitely but at the same time we do get some of the insights where they're they're way fewer but there i remember one time where she was thinking like this is how i'm gonna turn ben to the sith there was one there was one internal uh thought process where where she was kind of mirroring a thought that he was having of how to turn her to the light side yeah she was like Something oh, I can't remember specifically, but it was like after his dad's gone and we get him, you know, it, amongst all of us Sith, I'll be able to explain to him this and that. And he'll come around eventually. It was kind of the thing, right? Yeah. Like, uh, like <laughs> what's that? Uh, what's that Swedish kidnapping problem <laughs> <laughs> where, where you end up loving the people that kidnapped you? Oh, <laughs> I knew you would know after I okay. said it in a real way. Yeah. Um, what the it's hell is that? Something syndrome. Some, yeah, it is something syndrome. Um, I want to think of it now. Pschirgen Schmirgens. Yeah. Sorry to all of our Swedish fans. Anyways. I want, I, it's that's essentially one. her plan. I but, know. Sit on it. It'll yeah. it'll come back around. It will. 20 minutes from now, we'll not be talking <laughs> about the same thing. Speaking of which. I'm going to wrap up Vistar right now with my favorite moment. Okay. Which was when she force ejected Dion off of the motorcycle. It was okay because it was this whole tense scene, right? Which is nobody's ever touched the fountain. Mm -hmm. And Dion is full speed mm, space motorcycling (laughs) towards the thing. And he's like, I'm going to touch the thing. (laughs) (laughs) She's on the back of Ben's motorcycle, and he's like, a woman feels nice on my back. Those are shapes. And she (laughs) reaches out her hand, and he's like, she's going to kill his ass. And she just lights up his motorcycle, right? Kills the engine. Launches him off of the bike with the force. Yeah. Catches him. Gently lands him. And then she walks over, and she punches him the fuck out and ties him up. Just like she did to the Dathomiri broad on the beach in the last book. Yeah. Force, force, face punch. <laughs> the yeah. best spell I have available. <laughs> punch your lights out. She's badass, dude. 
She, like, she is. She's constantly tough and strong and cool. Mm-hmm. Which is why it should have been so obvious in that moment that she betrayed Ben. That she wasn't really poisoned or as hurt as she seemed. Yeah. As he, re- as he recited later, good enough to walk back to the ship. She wasn't really poisoned. She was, you know, wouldn't that kind of be the giveaway? She never, ever shows weakness. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever, right? Like. Yeah, maybe that was maybe that was more obvious than it seemed. Yeah, it, it definitely. In, in the moment of reading it, I was fifty fifty. Yeah, no, I was I didn't like, she might die. Was. I don't know Avalon. <laughs> what is she? I don't know. I don't want her to die. Stay with her. And then Ben's sitting there doing nothing. Anyways. Yeah. Our fifth character. Yes. Ben Skywalker. Wanna be lover mode. <laughs> if you wanna be. How many times in this book does Ben wish Vestara wasn't Sith? I don't know. But going through my 16 pages of notes, almost every time the kid's on the screen, even after they get the translation of the conversation, almost every time he's in in the scene, he's like, yeah, that Vestara, though. Yeah. She can't be all bad, right? Like, I wish she wasn't a Sith. All that kind of stuff. Every time. He just wants to like and trust her so bad. This poor kid. They cook together. He liked it when she smiled. He makes her laugh. But every positive interaction that they have is kind of shuttered out by the Sith spy dynamic that they have going between them, right? Yeah. Especially evident in the, in the what the hell do they call that part of their ship where they eat? Like the mess hall. The, the They call it a thing. The dining room. <laughs> Whatever. Either way, in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. They're like chopping salad. Vistar's never chopped a salad in her life because, you know, she's a Sith. And they're exchanging information and they're laughing. And then always somebody says something that's a little too revealing, right? And they both yeah, <clears throat> immediately put the walls shut up. down. Yeah. Immediately, right? We see it first here in the kitchen. But constantly, constantly, Ben just wants to get around that. Like, he wants that to not exist, mm-hmm. you know? He just wants to connect with this person that he fucking likes. But every time there's something positive, it gets shut down in a negative way. They head to Klatooine where Ben gets jealous of a complimentary dog boy. He thinks he wants to kill him with his lightsaber for a moment. Then he saves Vistara from choking. And everything in this book that Ben does, I realize, going through the notes, centers around Vestara. Mm-hmm. He does not do anything else. He does not do anything on his own. Uh, that's kind of the... the uh, Shit, I had the word on the tip of my tongue there. But that's part of the point of this book is like the two of them are teamed up together, right? Yeah. It's, it's part of the, the, the concession, part of the uh, suspension of disbelief that whatever's going to happen, it's going to revolve around the two of them. Whatever happens for each of them is going to revolve around the other. Yeah. They, they are but each other's counterpoint. Literally the whole book and every event in it is Ben reacting to Vistara. That's yeah. all he's paying attention to. That's all he's reacting to. Is Vistara in the kitchen, Vistara in the jail, Vistara choking, Vistara getting hit on. 
Vistara, I'll get maybe gonna kill Dion Stat. Vistara, this Vistara, everything, everything Ben does in this book is about her. And when the translation from three PO comes in, proving that Vistara is using him with her real feels, he turns on her, but still is looking for every reason to trust her. Right? Like yeah. he's constantly looking for redeemable features. Because, I mean, I think that's his character archetype destiny right yeah he's gonna be the, the save you jedi yeah he's gonna be the next luke he, he's gonna be yeah he's gonna follow in his father's footsteps and when his father's footsteps take him beyond shadow he's left in charge of vistara and ben watches vistara allow dion to escape because everything he does or sees revolves around her mm-hmm Every, she is the catalyst for everything in, in his story right now. Yeah. Everything. There's he, not he is not scene. reacting to any other Sith. He is not reacting to Dion. He is not reacting to uh, the the rebellion on Klaatooine. He is not reacting to the Sith taking the piece of Wintrium. He is not reacting to the thousands of ships, or, or I mean Sith in ships around them. He's not even barely reacting to Abeloth or thinking about her. Yeah. It's all Vistara. And I like that actually. Yeah, it's it it's it good. sounds like something I would complain about, but <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like it was heading in that direction. Yeah. yeah but the, no, it's, it's 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 very it's good to see a character in in a Star Wars book other than like you see it with Han and Leia. The kind right. of where they, they are each other. Focus on each other more than the problem at large. Yeah. It's good Especially to see Especially in this book, I guess. Yeah, it's good to see the beginning and it like how they are literally each other's opposites. Yeah. And also it's like this person couldn't be more interesting. Mm -hmm. She's a everything you've ever been taught to hate, but she's not. Mm -hmm. B, she's a mysterious person from a lost civilization. C. She's just as powerful with magic as you are. Like, to the spy boy brain that Ben is, as we know, mm-hmm. she mu- she must be all-encompassing for your thoughts. Like, she must absolutely drown everything else out, especially when you're 16 or, yeah. or 17 or however old they are. Yeah, and in, in, in and around that age where they're both the same age, uh, both not so much sheltered like she has been but ben wasn't in different ways yeah right they have the same traits reflected just in in different degrees and levels Mm -hmm. where yeah ben was sheltered he literally lived lived at shelter for fucking years (laughs) right like yeah yeah they they have they they are almost mirror images of each other in so many ways but in each of those ways to different degrees and, and levels, right? Yeah. But she's just so fascinating to me. And everything that Ben does in this book, this entire 360-whatever-page book, revolves around her. This is a kid that we've seen go on solo spy missions. He broke into uh, um, a giant... Uh, not Oh, my God. Star Destroyer. He escaped and is uh, being tortured by his cousin. He murdered a prime minister. He was one of the boys in the army. Like, 
We've yeah. seen him do so many grand scale things. He's he's shut down center point with his robot cousin. <laughs> like yeah. he's done so many huge, huge, huge things. Epic level grand scale things. And in this book, all he does is stare at a girl. And as much as this is going to sound hypocritical, because we have how much we complain about Jaina doing nothing. Mm-hmm. That's because she always often does nothing. Right. Yeah. Ben is used over and over to do so many big things. He's a fucking huge piece. He is the guy going forward. Jason's gone. Mm-hmm. Jane is the girl. He's the guy going forward. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what gets annoying about the Jaina thing, but he does so much. And so for him to still be involved in, in these big events, like the Klaatuine betray, uh, betrayal of the fountain or, or whatever you, you call that, right? Like, yeah. Um, the, when you touch something and you make it dirty. Yeah. De- defilement. <laughs> the, thank you. Exactly. Yes. You know, he's there for that. They go into the mall to battle Abeloth. He's there. He's he, obviously there for everything, but all of it is focused through his lens of trying to love this seemingly unlovable person mm-hmm. just because of this incredible magnetic attraction because they are similar and opposite in all the right spots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Vistara is amazing through her own narrative but she's even more incredible through Ben's eyes, which is literally writing him being in love. Yeah. As cool as she is, when we read her in her own paragraphs, she has a shining, shimmering light around her <laughs> when Ben is admiring her, right? And yeah. it's fucking great. It, it adds an extra um, dimension to her character. And um, her character's brand new. Yeah. She didn't come in until the second book. We're on five. Two, three, four, five. Four books she's been existent. Mm-hmm. And she might be the coolest character in these books, right? Yeah. But in the narrative, also maybe the coolest person in the galaxy right now. But unfortunately, during the fight with Abeloth, when Ben rushes to Vistara's rescue, as we mentioned earlier, she whispers, Poison! And he stays by her side until her father attacks his. Revealing this to be yet another of Vistara's betrayals. Mm -hmm. Another one of her subtle manipulations. She's not poisoned. No. Sends Ben into into an attack. crushed. Yeah. Furious and heartbroken over... Vistara continually proving his trust to be ill-invested. He goes to kill her dad. He holds his own, too. He outmatches him. Yeah. And then Abeloth zaps everybody and disappears. But that has, as we said during the Vistara conversation, how, if you're Ben, how does she come back from that? Or how do you... How, how how do you still like this person that lied to your face to get your dad killed? Yeah. And it, a direct connection. You know what I mean? It wasn't like she didn't know. Mm-hmm. She purposely lied to keep Ben out of the fight because the plan was 
Catch Abeloth, kill Luke. Yep. Keep Ben. The only How? thing that her ex- her reasoning could be is what would you do? This is her question. Right. What would you do if it was your dad? Exactly. Exactly what is the right answer, Tim. Correct. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's got to be the only possible thing that he could ever relate to. Yeah. Would be what would you do to save your dad or help your dad? Like you are, you are an exile against with him. his enemies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like he took, he took a self-imposed exile for a decade Yeah, to be because his dad needed him. Yeah. What, how could you tell her you wouldn't do the same? Mm-hmm. Well, because you're a Jedi and you wouldn't lie to get somebody killed to get the upper hand. You would try to win fairly, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. But then comes the conflict of the, uh, ethos of the, uh, of the ethics between Jedi and Sith that we're definitely going to be dis- discovering and exploring more between Ben and Vistara. The, the longer how they hang these, out, yeah. how these two codes of ethics and, and behavior can possibly exist coincidentally or, or exist. Yeah. Coincide together. That's gotta be the same word, right? Yes. So, so, so Ben is left betrayed again. And where have we seen this before? Leaving a vibro dagger in the back of his cousin's shoulder Mm -hmm. after being betrayed by the one person he wanted to trust the most that everyone around him was telling him isn't trustworthy. Jason Solo. Yep. Ben and Jason's relationship was similar. Insofar as, like I just said, Ben admiring this person mm-hmm. on different levels. Yep. Um, wanting to be around them. Wanting them to like him. Yeah. And constantly being used and manipulated and betrayed by that person that you're looking to with admiration, right? Is this not, is this not. Yeah. This poor kid living through a similar thing. The the one person you want to love and trust is the one person who everyone tells you not to. And they keep proving everyone right. And you wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. It's. He, it's it's the same thing for him. He's learning this lesson on a different level now. Yeah, but and forever the savior, right? Exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, this level of figuring out this dynamic will come with different answers, I'm sure, because there are very different feelings tangled up in it. Mm-hmm. Right? I guess other than attacking her dad, Ben kind of did very little else other than Stare at Vistara and think about Vistara. To be fair, for part of the time, that was his job given to him by his dad. Watch her. Yeah, he he definitely was, seemed to be Vistara's co-pilot for most of it. Yeah, even though Vistara was his dad's (laughs) co-pilot. But yeah, like they were tag team and the focus was on her. His focus was on her. Yeah. What uh, What was your favorite moment for Ben? Skywalker. I think the fa- my favorite moment for Ben was after he heard the the recording 
Right. And he he walked in and it seemed like well at the time this was my favorite moment where he's like okay this chick's bad news and she's working me. That's 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 what <laughs> that was that was one of a good moments for me where he finally was like okay that's enough right. we're we're done with this right he turned that around and well because what way, he kind but... of told himself at that moment was like well two can play this game yeah and then what that ends up being is your excuse to go back to thinking the same way right <laughs> yeah. looking at her the same way right? yeah yeah. I, I I like him as a love struck teenager. Yeah. Um and not not as still serious, but in a different way as opposed to the last series. But why do we like him being so focused on his relationship and we hated Jaina doing it? Because she's thirty three, thirty four <laughs> and he's sixteen. <laughs> oh shit. Oh shit, I forgot. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. My my answer was gonna be she doesn't do as much as him overall. And the narrative. Oh, uh, oh right, she's twice his age and yes. a grown ass veteran warrior. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fair. A- and your and, and, also, your, and yeah. also, yeah, he's given w- way larger epic things to do. Mm-hmm. Other than like, it seems to be. And I swear to God, if this ends up being the same thing again, it seems to be Jaina gets like two or three major things given to her. I'm basing this on the last series only, Mm -hmm. right? And these five books where in the last series, she was the head of the Reladir thing, like at the end of book three or whatever. She was, that was a big deal, right? And then she was on the Haven planet finding out that they're all betrayers mm-hmm. with Zek. And then she killed her brother. Like it was like she spotlights in a few major, major things mm-hmm. where Ben is like, I'm everywhere in everything, especially in this book series, but even in the last one, yeah, you know, he's been way more of a main character than she has. So he does more cool stuff, I guess. For example, my favorite moment Mm-hmm. Was probably when he started overpowering Vistara's dad in that was lightsaber cool. combat. That was pretty cool. Other than all the cute little moments between the two of them, you know, laughing in prison and <laughs> their dads talking about them having a litter or whatever the hell, all that. Yeah. Jazz. There's a lot of really good stuff. But I mean, to put it into context, that's the only action Ben took or had the whole book. Yeah. He drove Vistara on the speeder bike while she did all the saving, right? All, all that kind of stuff. Where yeah. like, this is his only action, and he goes to try to kill her dad because her dad tried to kill his dad. <laughs> yeah. And that that oh, one yeah. moment where Kai's face went from confidence to worry. Ruh row. <laughs> that that's that was that was a good moment. Yeah, yeah. That really was that was a really uh God, just a pointed and, and standout expression you know Mm -hmm. being uh described that was really good well tim on to our last character Mm -hmm. the main character of the star wars series since about 1977 (laughs) (laughs) luke skywalker the grand master of getting it wrong 
And oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Luke Skywalker had some moments in this book of getting shit way, way, way wrong. Oh boy. But let's back up to the beginning of the book. Where... Vistara is captive on the Jade Shadow, and Luke sees all of the little interactions between the two of them happening on his wife's ship, and he's against it. She can't be trusted, she can't be redeemed, and she can't be saved. These are essentially the things that he's telling his son and himself. Mm-hmm. She's a Sith. There are no sa- There is no saving a Sith, other than when I did it to my dad. And my wife, <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, unless what? I do it, <laughs> yeah, right, like a real dad, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't do it, it's not going to get done right. Anyways, <laughs> we're getting into late stupid times. He sees all this happening, and he's like, "No, no, 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 no." Luke intends to pry as much information as possible from Vistara, though, having her captive on his wife's ship and. These new Sith are dangerous and unknown. Double dangerous. Mm-hmm. What's more dangerous than something you don't know? A dangerous thing you don't know about. You're fucking right. Yeah. He's on the Jade Shadow and he dreams of Mara's embrace multiple times. And he trusts her advice to go to the Ma. Who wouldn't trust the ad- advice of their dead wife, right? Just like the guy... In the Legacy of the Force, whose name I had to search through the binder for, my other binder, Admiral Klauskin. Ah. Remember, Lamaya was like presenting as his dead wife's ghost and yes. telling him to do all these things that were fucking up the galaxy? Yep. Weird echo. His wife would never do that. And she would never be the big spoon and tell him bad advice. Okay. <laughs> so he's pretty confident. He needs to go to the mall. I had to look through my other binder for that for about 10 minutes, by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. The notes are not as well annotated as these ones are. Also, the guy was only in moments. Yeah, he <laughs> I was had to in- track oh. his ass down, man. <laughs> <laughs> it took, I flipped through like 40 fucking pages of uh, Legacy of the Force. Oh, man, now I can't even get it wrong. <laughs> Anyways, back to Luke Skywalker, okay? Because it's an important book for him. Although that was a pretty solid echo yes. of manipulation. <laughs> I like that. Speaking of manipulation, Luke gets the translated father-daughter Sith conversation we've talked about so many times, which breaks Ben's little heart. And Luke feels for the kid, mm-hmm. but still has Vistara on the no-save list. He meets with Lando and Jaina to remind them that he didn't come to Klaatuine to start no revolution, which reminds us that Luke Skywalker is fucking revolution. Mm-hmm. As we, you know, we've we've talked about through this through this podcast, through this book series, everywhere the man goes, he is unraveling millennia of history. Yeah. Everywhere he goes. He goes to Kaldor and he ruins their secret society. And then he goes out to the second place, which was the Ang T. No, it wasn't. That was the third book. That was Troy's book. The, Who, where did he go next? The was the rock people. When did he get the lightning power? <laughs> the, the lightning. Anyways, anyways, fucking irrelevant. The, the lightning rock people were the Keldor. I know. What was the second one? Because the third one was the Ang T, and then the fourth book he went. No, 
The Yangtze was second. And then the third book they went Beyond Shadows. Yes. Yes. Right. And then the fourth book, everybody squealed their tires for 300 fucking pages. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are now at the end of this one. Anyways, 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 everywhere the man goes, he changes everything about existence for these people. And unwillingly or unmeaningly, unwittingly. Yes. Unmeaningly. <laughs> Unknowingly. Uh, you know. Uh, no, he, he knows. He tells him, I, I didn't come here to start no revolution. Well, goddamn, you did, didn't you? Just by coming around. How many examples? I gave it out at the time when he said it. Go back to that episode of the podcast. Yeah, well, and and I think I brought up on that same episode that his history with revolution started day one when he was yeah. blowing up the Death Star. Even before that, man. He abandoned the farm. Yes, he did. He he left the homestead, which is like not a thing, right? That's rebellion. That's revolution. Yes. Whining about going to Toshi Station to get some power converters. <laughs> this Troy's got a bad motivator. He can't help it because he's fucking Taveran, as you would say in the Wheel of Time. You are a... a a walking piece of fate that draws everything to you mm-hmm. and changes it. You just are. Mm-hmm. So whether you came to dog pound planet to break them all out of the pound or not, well, who let the dogs out? <laughs> Luke and the Sith head to the mall. <laughs> and Luke's... <laughs> that was so dumb and not written down. Luke and the Sith head to the mall. And Luke's plan... Is to fix Sinkhole Station because it is, it is the lock to the prison for Abeloth. These dozen or so black holes that have been arranged in a perfect circle yeah. for millennia are out of whack and they need to be fixed. We got to go back to Sinkhole Station and fix it. Alas, it is found destroyed. <laughs> and no sign of Abeloth as they return to the Maw. She is hiding. Mm-hmm. Or she is gone. Well, it turns out she's hiding. Also, during this time, Luke is reminded several times that Abeloth uses your emotions to prey on you. You know, the star tells him. Ben talks about it. As, as he's referring to the tentacle ro- uh, snake rodeo, right? Yeah. Told, him, told to him over and over again, but I guess he's too distracted, balancing this tenuous Sith alliance, to take any note of that. Until he brings the Sith beyond shadows. Yep. Because once again, why would you teach them that? Yeah. Okay. He brings the Sith beyond shadows. And Mara floats up in the lake of apparitions to tell him he's dumb. That that, that wasn't me, man. I'm not spooning you. I'm Lil Spoon. That's another girlfriend that you're thinking of. And <laughs> I'm going back underwater now. <laughs> you know, she goes, no, that's not me. That's Abeloth. Luke is horrified. But now he gets it. So it's time to go after Abeloth. And when she tries to convince Luke that she's his long-lost spaceship Force Ghost girlfriend, Callista, he realizes it's a trick. And he attacks the mysterious Abeloth. Of course, the Sith betray him, but it's okay. Because he passes the final trick test and kills Abeloth. And yeah, I'll say it again. Quote, Luke Skywalker, she's dead. Yes. I've said this before. I'll say it again. 
this is the wrongest man I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hold my opinions. But the betrayed alliance still stands at the end of this book as Luke's ships is focused to finding answers and reasons to the mystery of Abeloth across her planet. She's dead. Now we can explore with relative lesser yeah. risk. Because right? the plants were supposed to have been controlled or somewhat controlled by her. Yeah. Even though they are con- carnivorous in, in nature, they're yeah. way less dangerous when not being directed by a malicious, mysterious my maiden mother of the Ma. Mm-hmm. Whatever she was. Now she is dead. And I, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of change or development from Luke Skywalker here. The biggest thing we get from him through the book is him going, I know they're going to betray me at some point. And also, he realizes... Maybe every time I see my wife, it's not real. I don't know. Maybe when I wake up, it's maybe when I'm sleeping, things go wrong. As with every yeah. chapter of every book for 14 books now, right? Yeah. Every time he wakes up, something, something's gone awry. So I don't know. He didn't change. I don't know what development he made. I don't know. But maybe the biggest thing is going to be having to face this dead wife weakness. Yeah. Where like now he realizes like there's a hole in my bucket yeah Yeah. i can get got now i can be fooled because there's something i love so much the biggest takeaways for me though he's super strong still uh he's wise enough to distrust the sith but he's a sucker for a ghost cuddle (laughs) yeah what was your favorite moment of luke skywalker uh i liked Another another realization point for another character when Mara said, you're wrong, man, yeah. it, in the Lake of Apparitions, and it, it hit him, where he's like, oh. He was buffeted by disgust, and he was, yeah. <laughs> whatever it was, to, in a torrent of, of yeah, all those descriptive, yeah. it yeah. was a very, like, at the time, very chilling. Yeah. Shocking. Like a visceral Even though thing. You know, we were like kind of on that trail. Mm-hmm. We were like ghosts, huh? Never trust them. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, even still to have her tell him was like gross. That yeah. was, that felt yucky. Yeah. And not just because she was in like a mire bog of the afterlife. Yeah. Like, Lord of the Rings, Swamp of the Dead. <laughs> Swamp. My favorite moment. Was this interaction? Ben says, "What did you do? Read my mind?" Luke says, "No, I am your father." <laughs> yeah, come on, Christy, nice shot. That was a, yeah, that, was, that a was a good, good sneak in there, man. Because you know you can phrase that any way. A dad, any dad has said that a hundred thousand times. How do you know? Because I'm your dad. Because I watch you every day of your fucking life. Yeah. Okay. You think nobody's looking? I see everything you do and everything you think before you do it. Yeah. Children's brains move slow. You can watch them process through their eyes. <laughs> right? The hand starts moving and the eyes move and the brain is working. But to phrase it that way mm-hmm. is is a perfect bullseye. Like, yeah. that was great. That was good. No, I'm your father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to have him, you know, offer it in a... In a different uh, lighthearted context yeah compared to the crushing blow to your soul that's supposed to turn you to the dark side so we can overthrow the emperor and rule side by side forever now this is just like an offhand comment mm-hmm. so that's it 
that's everything that I think happened. <laughs> yeah, it's fairly, uh, it fairly pretty comprehensive. Yeah. That was the word I was going to use. Way to go. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah. I didn't mean to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> but that is Fate of the Jedi, book five, Allies by Christy Golden. Dull and the Mandos, allied to terrorize the Jedi. Dorvin and the Solos, allied to help the Jedi survive. The Skywalkers and Sith, allied to destroy Abeloth. Easy. And nobody betrayed anybody, and we're all still friends, yeah? Especially Ben and Vistara. Tell me what you like the most about this book, Tim. This, I liked... Christy's writing of this book and all the different times she brought back things from previous books. And even things from, like, previous... Long, uh, long. Just from things that like I had Callista. never even... Yeah, exactly. Things I hadn't even heard of. She's from 1995. Just the the random callbacks where you'd be reading and be like, whoa! Yeah. All of a sudden, all of a sudden in a paragraph, it's like, here's three sentences of deep connection mm-hmm. from past to present from previous experience to this experience. You know? Yeah. Even experience that I didn't have as I would think of, I would think I'm a, I'm a star Wars fan. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and I had no idea who Callista was. No, not, I've read these before. I never looked it up last time, <laughs> but you know, even the stuff where like, okay, you know, it's, it serves a dual purpose. Not only does it make the world richer, it also draws in the reader to other novels. Mm-hmm. Like sitting there, Jaina looking at ship and she's like, oh, I remember when we saw it here. And then when we went to, uh, I almost called her Avaloth. When we went to Lumaya's asteroid and Alamarar, we left her there and ship escaped and it almost killed us. And this like, mm-hmm. whoa, that sounds like a cool adventure I would read about. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's also does double duty of not only adding depth and breadth to the world that you're writing, but also maybe a monetary sort of uh, yeah of uh backdraft or, or, or it's i don't know fucking bonus it was well well written it kept me involved man it was a it was, it was a, a ride it was a, it was a good read it really was we complained a lot about the last book because it was very still and stagnant yeah but not this time I don't know what happened with that last book and the man's health and whatever circumstances led us to that consequence. Mm -hmm. But this book was awesome. My favorite thing about this book, which sounded like a complaint, I think, through most of this review, I liked how small the scope was of a lot of it. Yeah. It was was small scope, character-driven stuff. Mm -hmm. It was way more about the interaction between the two people than it was about the event itself. Yes. You know, like... Ben and Vistara stopping Dion from, uh, what was the word that you said before? Defiling, (laughs) defiling the fountain. That was not about the fountain. That was not, that was about Ben and Vistara's interactions with each other, what they can see and feel and learn from each other. Like same thing with everything. It was, it was Ben and Vistara. It was Luke and the Sith, you know, it's the Jedi and Dala. It's Abeloth and Luke. There, it's Jaina and Jag even for a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. It's it's the focus on the relationships inside the events. Yes, that's where the relatability is. 
I can't relate to a flying motorcycle screeching towards a magic glass fountain, but I can relate to the guy on the front of the motorcycle likes the girl on the back and he's worried that she's about to do the wrong thing because he wants to keep liking her. Yeah. Like that's really where all of the tension and all of the stakes of everything in this book lie is in the personal relationship. Yeah. The interpersonal stuff. And even coming to the, to the end with Luke and Abeloth where that rug gets pulled out from underneath you, Mm -hmm. right? You're set up to think this is another very personal relationship. Because she has had some sort of special interest in Luke. Abeloth has. Yeah. And she says, I'm your ex-girlfriend. And it seems like it's going to be, again, about that personal, interpersonal connection and relationship. That gets rug pulled. She turns into a monster the whole thing. But, but like, you know, that I really enjoyed that about this book. I yeah. just want Jaina to do more things. Yeah. I don't want her to go ask her boyfriend for help twice. And then go sit on a panel of judges and then do a couple of pew pews and head home. It's okay for Ben to focus almost entirely on Vistara because he's involved in all of the events very directly. He is sitting in the middle of the fucking book, right? Yeah. And just because he's not actively necessarily doing something. Right. Like you said, he's, he, he is, Vistara's co-pilot. Yeah. Like she is the focus of all the action scenes or all of the scenes at all between the two of them. She's the one talking to the kid at the fruit stand, you know, mm-hmm. she's the one doing the lightning on the back of the thing. She's the one getting attacked by Abeloth. She is the focus. Yep. And she is Ben's focus. And as much as, I don't know, you know, this small scale talk may, might sound throughout this review, like, um, like a, like a, what's the word for when you think something's bad? <laughs> it might sound like criticism? a complaint or a criticism. <laughs> it's fucking late, you guys, and we're deep <laughs> in this thing. We're not done yet. Long story short, I loved it. It was great. I liked that that, those were the focuses. Okay, mm-hmm. rate it. Out of nine fates of the Jedi, how many fates would you give this book? This is up there. Uh, like an eight. Ooh, that's it's, a lot of fate. It's good. That's a really good book. I gave it six out of nine because I loved the Luke and Sith dynamic, the Ben of a star thing. I didn't love the almost entirely absent solo family. No, especially Jaina, but the action was tight, man. The stakes were high. The tension between all of the characters was nonstop from the very beginning of Luke Skywalker and Ben are surrounded by thousand Sith. Mm hmm. And that tension between any of the relationships did not dissipate throughout the entire book. No. And if, in fact, might only be heightened by the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> really. And, and that's what kicked my, I was going to say a seven. Yeah. And then w- with all those hanging threads left at the end and all that extra tension, yeah. that's what shoved it up one for me. I was like, and this yeah. is us coming into the back half of the series, right? Mm-hmm. Through book five everything gets turned up and turned weird. Abeloth is dead. Buatu is dead. The Mandos are still there. The Jedi are still stuck. Yep. And where's ship? 
Where's it going? That's for sure. But hey, that was book five. Yes. Now we look ahead to Fate of the Jedi, book six, Vortex. Written by Troy Denning. Released November 30th, 2010. Which means next week when we drop our episode of the first four chapters, next Monday will be the 10 year anniversary of this book that we're starting. What a weird <laughs> serendipitous coincidence. Type I like of thing. it. That's cool as fuck for me. I know, <laughs> so I know cool. our brains work the same. Yeah. Way. That's cool. Coincidentally cool. Let's look at the front cover. Staring down the barrel of a blaster being two handed into your face by Han Solo, baby. Two hands. Really? <laughs> I've never, never heard of him holding a blaster with two hands. No, it's always the All one-handed right. thing. He sure looks like Harrison Ford, though, doesn't he? <laughs> like, <laughs> identical, which is good. Some yeah. On some of the art, right, they they try to um, blend away from the, the Hollywood actors. Yeah. And sometimes you try and make them more regular looking. That's that's Harrison Ford. That's Harrison Ford. Also, yeah. a young, pretty young-looking Harrison Ford, from what we know of him now, being yeah. actually this man's age. Yeah, maybe it's just a short hair and the and the uh, overexposed lighting uh, technique we have on the art that's hiding all the wrinkles. If this was HD. Maybe he'd look older. <laughs> also green. Yes, the cover is very green. Mm-hmm. Everything is washed in green with a cityscape in the background. Here's a question before we read the back: What vortex? Why? Why Vortex? Yeah. Why the name? I don't know, and I don't expect an answer, but compared to what we're looking at on the picture, the only Vortex I see is the, the barrel of the blaster. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, the center of that uh, barrel's lit up, too, like he's about to shoot it. I don't know. I don't know what Vortex means. No. I just keep thinking like like a vacuum, like power vacuum kind of deal. Well... I mean, the whole series has been very Vortex-focused so far because it's all about the Maw. Yeah. Which is covered in black holes, which must be a Vortex, right? Anyways, let's check out the back cover. Jedi and Sith fight side by side against an even greater foe. But how long can enemies remain allies? And how high is the price of betrayal? In a stunning turn of events, Luke Skywalker and his son Ben joined forces with the Sith Armada sent to kill them and used their combined might against the monstrous being Abeloth. But when the wounded creature escapes, the fragile armistice crumbles and hostilities resume with the attempted assassination of Luke. On the hunt for Abeloth and on the run from the Sith, Luke and Ben find themselves trapped by a mob of angry force adepts who care little for the difference between light side and dark side. With the Jedi's most famous father and son team outnumbered and outgunned, the countdown to galactic disaster has begun. And time is running out. Now, you've been making faces the whole time I've been reading that, haven't you? Yes. 
Can She's I supposed to be dead. <laughs> this is why a week ago when we finished that last episode, I was like, hey, by the way, don't read the back cover of the next book. Because I wanted to get through all of this review first. Yes. Is Abeloth alive? And it's this line. On the hunt for Abeloth mm-hmm. and on the run from the Sith. Yes. Okay. Because when we were on the hunt for Abeloth, we weren't running from the Sith. Mm-hmm. So what? Luke said she's dead. Yeah. Turns out he might be wrong again. Is Abeloth alive? On the run from the Sith? The alliance is over? I thought we just decided to carry that on. We sent a thousand Sith home. There's three of you, two of us. What's the deal? The alliance is over? There's angry force adepts? They're not light. They're not dark. They're the gray side? They just are good at using the force. Get this. No mention of Dala or Mandos, or Jedi, or Galactic Alliance, or Empire. Or, well, anything but Luke, Ben, Sith, and Abeloth. Mm-hmm. Uh, every other back cover has talked about what's going on with the Galactic Alliance and Dala, right? Yeah. She's been a feature on the every other cover. Also, uh, some pretty big spoilers on the back of this cover for cliffhangers from the end of this book yeah now the books came out like seven months apart or six months apart may may 23rd to november 30th or something like that yep six months and okay sure but in that six months nobody had access to any information beyond the end of the fifth book so why on the back of the sixth book are we saying Psych and psych. Yeah, all those things you thought happened. No, the what is that? The draw-in move? Like that's not that's not the writer's choice, right? Like these blurbs that get uh, edited and chosen as excerpts for the 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 cover, inside cover, or the flap, or the no, back. that's that's not, not that's not a writer choice. No, but hey, whoever chose that, mm-hmm. kindly shut the fuck up about several things that you said. Yeah. Because that's not the state of things where we left off. No. Right? Like the back cover should be, here's where we ended, first paragraph, two paragraphs of enticing potential information. Mm-hmm. Not, she's not dead, and we're not friends with the Sith anymore. What the hell just happened in the two minutes before I read that? <laughs> and now the existence we live in here. Yeah. And I, to me, it like the only reason I can think that they would write something like that as like not being the authors right. would be I could pick up that book yeah, and want to read it on its own. But there has to also be an intriguing way to write that without undoing cliffhangers from the previous book. Yeah, especially if you're writing it like it's part of a series. It's a like, series, bro. Yeah. There's more coming after this. Or maybe it's just going to turn... I, I mean... I uh, I don't know. Ally says, Abeloth is dead. The back of Vortex? Nope. <laughs> Ally says, the Skywalker and the Sith Alliance will continue. The Vortex cover says, nope. Uh, the Allies book said Dala's boyfriend was killed. And the Vortex book said, who? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she... So 
Is Abeloth dead or not? Is it Sith versus Skywalkers? Who are the angry Force Adepts? What Vortex? Find out next week when we cover Fate of the Jedi, Book 6, Vortex, Chapters 1 through 4. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. I know nothing. Me neither. How could you? No, I got nothing. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.